This program is brought to you by Preserve Gold, the number one precious metals IRA provider. Call 855-962-3322. Mexico now seizing illegal fentanyl shipped from China. If not stopped, the chemicals could get smuggled across the southern border. The drug already killing record numbers of Americans. You talk about children being taken away from their parents. My children were taken away from me. Beijing already stopped cooperating with the U.S. on combating fentanyl after former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Authorities are seizing packages containing fentanyl from China at a Mexican port. The country's president saying he would ask China to help stop the drug's flow. The packages mainly contain the precursor chemicals used to make the synthetic opioid. Those that aren't seized could be made into pills and smuggled into the U.S. through the southern border. Last year, U.S. authorities confiscated over 300 million doses of fentanyl, enough to kill the entire U.S. population. In 2021 alone, the drugs killed over 70,000 Americans. That's about one person every eight minutes. To put it in perspective, fentanyl has killed more Americans than car accidents and cancer. Those deaths are breaking parents' hearts across the country. In Texas, a father lost his 15-year-old son to fentanyl. He was murdered by a, a drug dealer selling counterfeit Percocet pills. The pill he took contained eight milligrams of fentanyl, which is four times the lethal, lethal dose. Over in Michigan, a mother lost two sons to fentanyl poisoning. Well, I'll tell you, in the support groups, you know, there's, there have been some parents who have committed suicide, um, siblings who have. Um, it's devastating families. It's been very difficult for my daughters. She's calling on more to be done to stop fentanyl at its source. Now, if we had Chinese troops lining up along our southern border, with weapons aimed at our people, with weapons of mass destruction aimed at our cities, you damn well know you would do something about it. We have a weather balloon from China going across our country. Nobody died, and everybody's freaking out about it. But 100,000 die every year, and nothing's being done. Not enough is being done. Numbers are going up, not down. And you talk about children being taken away from their parents. My children were taken away from me. A hundred thousand Americans every year are having their children, 200,000 because it's both parents, right? Are having their children taken away from them. U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland is calling on Beijing to stop the flow of fentanyl chemicals. The Chinese regime halted cooperation with foreign countries on fighting fentanyl last year. That's after former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan, angering the Chinese regime.
Beijing denies China to Mexico fentanyl trafficking. A foreign ministry spokesperson said the fentanyl crisis in the U.S. was a problem, quote, completely made in the USA. Beijing is looking to improve its relationship with the U.S., but seemingly on its own terms. Here are the details. In a meeting with the U.S. ambassador, China's foreign minister Qin Gang said that it's imperative to stabilize U.S.-China relations, citing the need to prevent unexpected incidents between the two countries. Qin laid out China's terms to improve the relationship, that the U.S. should stop trying to contain China and must respect China's red lines and especially handle the Taiwan issue correctly. This according to a Chinese foreign ministry statement. U.S.-China relations have been rocky in the past months, to say the least, with the Chinese spy balloon incident Antony Blinken's canceled Beijing visit and Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen's meeting with U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Last month, China staged war games around Taiwan after the Taiwanese president met McCarthy in Los Angeles. Chin appeared to blame the U.S. for the strained relationship. According to the statement, quote, a series of erroneous words and deeds by the United States undermined relations. Seemingly absent from the statement, acknowledgments of how Beijing can improve to better U.S.-China relations. More Chinese microchip makers are closing their doors, over 9,000 of them shutting down within just two years, 2021 and 2022. Over 5,700 deregistered with the state last year, while 3,400 did the same the year before. That's based on a report from Titanium Media. The numbers translate to an average of around 12 Chinese chipmakers shuttering per day. But what's driving the closures? First on the list, the U.S.-China technology war. Washington's export controls, which limit high-tech goods from flowing into China, have hit Chinese industry hard. On top of that, many inexperienced producers joined the semiconductor industry in a rush during recent years. Many saw opportunity in the sector and wanted a piece of the pie, only to find themselves trapped by lacking know-how, U.S.-China tensions, and China's strict pandemic-driven lockdowns. A heavy downpour has swept across eastern China, flooding swaths of the region. On Saturday, water rose high enough to breach a riverbank in China's Jiangxi province, soaking four villages downstream. Footage shared online shows rushing water mixed with mud wiping out roads and bridges and causing widespread landslides. According to China state-run media, nearly 500,000 people in the region are affected, with 14,000 of them evacuated. That's as of Sunday morning. China's state flood control headquarters launched a level four emergency, the least severe of its four-tier system. As rushing water continues to ravage towns and cities, the nation is now urging local authorities to strengthen key infrastructure, like railroads. It's growing season for crops, but in southwest China, farmers are losing hope. The historic drought that hit the Yangtze River Basin last year is still drying out their land. In Sichuan, a major Chinese agricultural province, one farmer filmed a parched field willed with young corn plants. This year, corn was hit extremely hard by the drought. His plants are visibly wilted, their leaves dried up and falling off. And it's more than just corn. Another video shows a large area covered in dead wheat plants. Look at this wheat field. It's done for good. Wheat in the Yangtze River Basin normally ear up in April, though the current drought would largely mean low or even no yields this year. Rapeseed cultivation also took a hit, 
One grower said his plants reached only about 15 inches, half their normal height. Basically, there has been no effective rainfall since last year. The yield drop has now reached 80% or more. In this video, a young man pointed out various crops, stressed by the drought conditions. Look at the peanut plants, they're barely growing, look. And this sweet potato, see? They have leaves like this. A similar scene played out in the neighboring Yunnan province. In one video, a man said many regions haven't seen any rainfall since last November. A technological breakthrough or a violation of ethics? Chinese scientists at Nankai University shared a discovery on Thursday, saying they successfully completed the world's first interventional brain-computer interface experiment, or BCI, on non-human primates. The largely experimental technology allows a living being, in this case a monkey, to control machines or other technology using only their thoughts. According to their findings, the scientists were able to collect brain waves that controlled a mechanical arm. The research team's leader called it a significant achievement for brain science and said it means China's BCI technology ranks among the world's best. Some suggest the technology could pose major benefits to humans in the future, like helping people with disabilities, severe injuries, or paralysis regain control of their limbs. It could also allow soldiers to operate weapons or drones hands-free. On the other hand, bridging the gap between mind and machine is raising some concerns, like the potential for cyber attacks, where hackers may intercept and steal brain signal data, or the risk of foreign adversaries getting a military or intelligence advantage. The Department of Commerce is currently reviewing whether exporting BCIs could pose national security concerns. A Chinese city is pulling off a world's first, a full-scale rollout of digital pay in the public sector. Critics say this could be Big Brother tightening its grip. Here's a closer look. Starting this month, the city of Changshu in eastern China will adopt a new way of paying workers' salaries, entirely in digital yuan. According to the city's official website, the change applies to all civil servants and employees of state-owned enterprises. The digital yuan is a digitized form of China's legal tender, issued by the country's central bank. As with other cryptocurrencies, every transaction using it is recorded and traceable. An analyst says the new initiative may boost the regime's power and reach. There would be concrete records of who is using the money, how long the money stays in your wallet, and to whom you pay it. This is something that every government dreams of. It's a tool to obtain extreme power over the public. Beijing has been trying to stay ahead of Europe and the U.S. in a global race to develop a national digital currency. Since 2020, the regime has piloted the digital yuan in over two dozen Chinese cities. Last January, Chinese authorities rolled out a digital yuan wallet app on Apple and Android stores. But hundreds of millions of users still favor more familiar, privately owned apps, like Alipay run by tech giant Alibaba, and WeChat Pay from internet conglomerate Tencent. Experts see China's latest push to boost the digital yuan as a step to contain these private companies. But one question lingers. Why is the e-salary rollout not happening in populous metropolises like Beijing and Shanghai, and instead coming to civil servants in a city of less than 2 million people? 
Because digital currency is still controversial, if promoted in major or export cities like Shanghai, Beijing, Shenzhen, Guangzhou, or Zhuhai, it may face more pushback. Secondly, problems may arise in the process of rollout, which will be harder to deal with in big cities. Public authorities and state-owned enterprises are the most convenient. Because they are controlled by the state, employees cannot say no. Wang pointed out a potential risk of nationalizing e-money. He said the coin relies on digital systems and networks to operate. As a result, should these facilities fail under attack, the country's economy may also collapse. The European Union is suggesting new sanctions for certain Chinese companies, those accused of aiding Russia's war in Ukraine. The development is the first of its kind since the conflict began last year, and the move is likely to stoke tensions with Beijing. Hentiti's Kostemines has more. Seven Chinese businesses have been listed in a new package of sanctions to be discussed by EU member states this week. This according to a report obtained by the Financial Times. It includes two mainland Chinese companies, 3HC Semiconductors and Kingpai Technology, as well as two companies from the United Arab Emirates and one from Armenia. Sanctions will require unanimous approval from all 27 member states. The EU had so far refrained from imposing any sanctions on Chinese companies, citing lack of evidence that China was supplying weapons to Moscow. Some of the companies, including 3HC and King Pai, were already previously placed under sanctions by the US. Other countries involved in the manufacture and supply of drones to Russia, such as Iran, could also soon face sanctions. The EU Commission has also submitted a proposal to widen the range of banned exports to Russia. The Commission did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Chinese Ministry spokesperson Wang Wenbin said if sanctions come into force, China will take firm action to safeguard its interests. Since the start of the conflict in February last year, the EU has adopted 10 sanctions packages against Russian individuals and companies. It's an effort to inflict economic hardship, making financing of the war more difficult. Cost MNS, NTD News. The last British governor of Hong Kong, Lord Chris Patton, says China doesn't give two hoots about the UK. As he made the comment, he referred to the attendance of China's vice leader at the king's coronation over the weekend. That's as another issue tied to the crowding triggered security concerns linked to Beijing. Here's more. Pan Zeng, who has been blamed for overseeing a crackdown on freedom in Hong Kong, is set to represent China at the royal event. Lord Patton said the decision to send Han is a reflection of how China sees Britain. He told the BBC that Han's presence will be a stick in the eye for over 100,000 Hong Kongers who are in exile in the UK. He said however hard we try to lean over backwards, horizontally sometimes, to accommodate their own political narrative, I don't think they really give two hoots about us. In related news this week, MPs have warned of a security threat for the coronation. The Daily Mail reported that 38 Chinese-made CCTV cameras will be employed along the parade route. The cameras, by hike vision, prompted fears that information collected could be sent back to Beijing. The company is accused of working closely with China's military. The government has ordered all of its departments to remove hike vision cameras. 
Reports say NATO will soon open a liaison office in the Asia-Pacific region. The decision would be an unprecedented one for the military alliance, as it looks to tackle more threats to global stability. Here are the details. The alliance will reportedly open a one-person liaison office in Tokyo. Its purpose is to counter the threat of China's communist regime. Nikkei Asia reported that the regional office would allow NATO to conduct consultations with key Asia-Pacific partners, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, and South Korea, and act as a point of contact with other nations in the region. Leaders of the four Asia-Pacific partner countries were invited to NATO's Leaders' Summit for the first time last year and are again expected to attend this year's event. NATO's 2022 strategy document also highlighted the threat of the Chinese Communist regime as a priority for the first time. Coming up, is China unintentionally helping to decouple from the U.S.? A new anti-espionage law is making it even harder for foreign businesses to operate in China. But what's behind that decision? But the wider definition I've heard to be as wide as national interest. Now, uh, you know, even, even wider than national security. And what is not national interest? Beating a local uh, national champion at their own competitive game, I suppose, harms the national interest. And you could be accused of violating that. And, and even if you go tighter and say just national security, if you harm a, com a company through legitimate business competition and they're considered important to the security of the country, you've now violated uh, the national intelligence law and national security law. We spoke to John Pelson, author of Wireless Wars, for his take. More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. With a new anti-spy law in play, foreign businesses are finding it even more difficult to operate in China. That's because now the amended rules make it even easier to get into trouble with Beijing. Why did the Chinese Communist Party greenlight the change? John Pelson, author of Wireless Wars, breaks it down. John Pelson, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. It's good to be here again, Tiffany. John, I want to start out with this new countermeasure bill that China just expanded. It's kind of the update from the 2014 one. It's much broader now, includes digital and data. Why is China doing this? You know, it's it's not a rhetorical question. I mean, it's it is so strange that they're making these moves that don't seem to have any underlying business. And I keep coming back to the answer that they're in such an echo chamber now and such a climate of fear among the leadership that when these these petulant moves that have continually uh, hurt China are done again and again, people are still afraid to speak up and say, you're, you're not helping us here, you're posturing, but it actually has a, an actual negative impact. So I, I don't think they're doing anything positive for China. And on that note, we recently saw raids with Bain and the Minsk Group in Shanghai and Beijing. These are foreign companies in China. What do you see, especially with this new expanded counter-espionage law, what do you see in terms of foreign businesses in China being impacted? Well, look at the timing on that, the Minsk raid. I believe that was done literally simultaneous with the welcoming of the cadre of senior, senior executives, Tim Cook and others, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was literally the same day, it was in the same news cycle, that they were raiding the due diligence offices that help American and other 
I don't want to say Western, non-authoritarian countries do their information gathering and their assessments. So I don't believe in coincidences. That was a message they were sending. And in my view, it was a uh, an, an arrogant message to say, here you are coming to our country. And while you're here, look what we're going to do. We're going to hamper your ability to carry out business in your fashion of open information and shared uh, data and so on. We're going to do it right in front of you. And, and what are you going to do about it? And John, on that note too, it seems part of these expansions include anything that is a threat to national security, but they don't define what that is. And it seems a lot of common information gathering practices in businesses could now be seen as illegal. But this also comes on the heels of Beijing being like, oh, we're reopening up for business after three years of COVID. How do you read these different messages coming out of Beijing? Yeah, that's got to be the most terrifying point, the one that you just raised, Tiffany, because if you were doing something involving state secrets, uh, well, you should be worried. You, you don't want to be doing business in a foreign country and messing with state secrets. But the wider definition I've heard to be as wide as national interest. Now, uh, you know, even even wider than national security. And what is not national interest? Beating a local uh, national champion at their own competitive game, I suppose, harms the national interest, and you could be accused of violating that. And and even if you go tighter and say just national security, if you harm a, com a company through legitimate business competition, and they're considered important to the security of the country, you've now violated uh, the national intelligence law, national security law. That is a really frightening prospect for people that are are businessmen and women and are there to make make money and are not part of the intelligence community or the military. They're not playing that game. It sounds like what you were mentioning in the beginning, right, this echo chamber where who knows why or how these decisions are being made. And to your point, we're seeing Apple just open a new factory and store in India, right, for the first time. So there's a lot of movement of these big companies out of China, also to Vietnam. So what do you see in terms of this counter-espionage law that's been expanded? What do you see maybe some of the big impacts are going forward? Yeah, people know there's no recourse in China. Uh, you can complain about the American court system, uh, and people say the process is the punishment here. And there, there's some truth to that. It's mainly due to bureaucracy. Uh, people do get a fair shake. Nothing's perfectly fair. But at least people know there's there's transparency and there's a, a, a reasonable process in place, if not a perfect one. China is so much worse, and it's completely at the whim, ultimately, of the, of the communist Chinese Communist Party, that... Uh, so people know that you can be held uh, detained without access to consular resources. It happens all the time. Executives that I've spoken to talk about having their phones and laptops seized with no explanation, maybe a, a claim of a civil violation. And that's an important thing, Tiffany. These apply to civil violations, not just criminal violations. And, and in, in free countries, if you have a, a contract dispute, no one's putting you under house arrest while the case is, is brought to a, a resolution. That's effectively what China's doing to these executives. I think it's gonna be so damaging for their efforts to have this uh, image of an open China. You know, all the rhetoric is there, but people are not stupid. And they see friends that have their passports or their, their phones and laptops seized. They're not allowed to leave the country. Uh, there's, gonna be, there's gonna be a great reluctance for any of the prime companies to send their people into China. 
does seem like there's a lot of uncertainty going forward, but John Pelson, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure, Tiffany. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.